Hello, thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. How many of us come to praise God on this morning? Have you come to praise God on this morning? It's a blessing to be here with you again to present the word of God to his people. We'd like to welcome our guests and visitors here to the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of. That was awesome. Y'all ready to worship today. I I want you to know on this, this year, our, our theme is Christians first. Our theme is Christian first. And if you look around the room, notice that it has the theme of something that resembles what a presidential election would look like because I don't want your mind to be focused on what's happening down here but I want you to be focused on what's going to be happening up there so before we are a race we are Christians before we are a gender we are Christians before we belong to a political party we're Christians first amen And if we focus on that, then we won't be all stressed out and worried about what's going to happen tomorrow because we understand and we realize who's really in control. We understand and realize that God made what he made. We understand and we realize that God has given us a specific order of things in the way that they And so on the month of March, we're going to be examining the first family. In the, month of, in the month of March, we'll be examining the first family. And I want you to understand that we cannot, we cannot begin to have a family if we don't first have eligible candidates. Amen. And what I mean when I say that is, is that in order for a family to function and work properly, it first must have a man and a woman who are mature and strong in Christ. A family must have eligible candidates. And I put I picked this topic because it fits in with our theme. Because when you're looking at presidential candidates, they have to fit a certain criteria. They have to have certain things that they have done in their past. At least that's how it used to be. And so when we look at this, when we look at this, God has given us order. God has given us structure on what a family looks like. And what we must start with first is we must look at those who are either not married or have been married or looking to get married or those who remain as they are single. Amen. I want to talk to you about a weight. I want to talk to you about a weight. I remember in high school when I took a test, there was this test that we had to take when we were getting ready to graduate. We had the choice to take the SAT or the ACT. And as I'm getting ready to take the ACT test, uh, that was the test of my choice. I I, I took the test. 
I prepared for it as much as I could because you can't really study for those type of tests. And what this test is for is this test is seeing if you are ready, seeing if you are prepared. Kendon, there we go. Seeing if you are ready to, to college, right? Seeing if you are prepared for the rigors and the work of going and attending a college, okay? And so I take the test, and I go in with my number two pencils. Do they still use pencils for tests, y'all? Yeah? Okay. I go in with my number two pencils, and I, I answer the questions that I can answer, and the ones that I don't, I mark C, because C is always the right answer. And I take the test, they take it, and then they ship it off, and then you have to wait like two weeks to find out how you did on this test. And I'm sitting there, 17 years old, getting ready to graduate, not knowing which school I'm going to go to, trying to figure it out still, and I just can't stop thinking about what is to come. And so in the meantime, while I'm thinking and and stressing over this test and what it's going to be like and, and what college is going to be like, I'm not doing anything else at all. I'm not preparing. I'm not applying to other colleges. I'm not applying for scholarships. And I get it back, and I do excellent on it. Did really well on the ACT test. But other folks who took the test, they had been preparing themselves for what was to come next. They had been preparing themselves for what God had for them in the future. What I want you to understand is, is that as we live as single people, right, as as you live as single people not married, either having been in a former uh, marriage and, and wanting to be in a, a marriage again, I want you to understand that if you don't focus on the now and the you and preparing yourself for the marriage, you won't be prepared when you get into it. You won't be prepared when you get into it because a lot of times what we do is we have this vision of what marriage is and a lot of times it only looks like a white dress and a tuxedo. And we have this focus on the wedding and not the actual marriage. We got this weight that we all have to go through. So while we're waiting, while we're waiting for that significant other, while we're waiting on that bad mama jamma, While we're waiting, we need to be working on self. While we're waiting, we need to be making sure that we are individuals that can exist within a group, within a family, within a marriage, because that's what's going to make that family last. Amen? I want you to look at this morning at 1 Corinthians. That's the New Testament, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 will be our text on this morning. I want you to understand that if you look at this book, Paul here is writing another letter to this church in Corinth. And at this time, if you were there in Sunday school, you heard Brother Arnold talking about those people who were Roman citizens at the time. They were dealing with persecution because somebody set fire to Rome. And, and some architect thought it was a great did to build all the buildings out of wood and they burned everything down and then they said the Christians did it and they were under persecution well when Paul writes this letter to Corinth this is whenever Rome is just taking over this place known as Corinth 
And so you have this Greek society of thinkers, of people who like to sit around, and what they do all day is just think and, and make speeches, and that's what they're impressed by. And their culture is one that is really focused on education of people. But then the brutes, Rome comes in. The strong arm of Rome comes in and they take over the city and all of a sudden things are changing rapidly. And so they, the church is set up by Paul about two years before the writing of this letter and they start asking them questions about what life should look like and what they should do in certain situations. I'm talking about the culture changed so drastically that they went from being an educated people to a people who are now worshiping this god Aphrodite. And they worship by engaging in fornication. The prostitutes who were like the priests of the Aphrodite temple used to have sandals. And they, as they walked through the city, they had words on the bottom of their sandals that said, y'all thought that was new on Instagram. You get those bots with those nasty pictures and they say, come follow me. I'll follow you back. This started way back then. And so they had these sandals and as they walked through on the dirt, People would see, follow me in the dirt, and they would go to the temple and engage in fornication and worship Aphrodite. This is a messed up society. Not much different than where we're headed, right? And so the church at Corinth, they actually wrote Paul three letters, and he responds to them in what we know as 1 Corinthians about some issues. And in 1 Corinthians 7, he begins to speak on the topic of marriage because they're confused as it is to what should they do. They're like, Paul, we don't know what to do. Please give us something so we know what we're doing. And in verse 25, he begins to speak about what single folks should do. I'm going to read the text in its entirety first, and then we'll get into it. The Bible says, is everybody there? Say amen if you're there. If you're not there, say hold on. All right, everybody there. The Bible says in the ESV version, verse 25, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, yes, I'm here saying, oh, well. Verse 28, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. (laughs) And I would spare you that. Verse 29 says, this is what I mean. Brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Can we say passing away? Verse 32 says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Amen. And his interests, Brother Rose said, all right, all right. Verse 34, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. 
But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order. Can we say good order? That's going to be the focus. We want to be orderly and organized. That's what God has for us. And to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Verse 36 says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. We won't touch on 36 through 38 today. We'll touch on it in the home groups this afternoon. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. Only... In the Lord. Can we say only in the Lord? Verse 40 says, yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the spirit of God. What we're going to see first, in the verses 25 through 31, Paul is giving a PSA. Do we know what a PSA is? Public service announcement. Some of us have been watching TV and we see that we and we understand there's a couple of folks in here that that's been brainwashed by him already. Uh, Mike Bloomberg gets the job done. <laughs> I ain't going to say who. <laughs> we see these public service announcements and they say the same thing over and over and over again until we find ourselves saying what they're saying. Google is saying it also. So what we're doing is uh, verse 25 here. What we see is Paul giving a public service announcement. What Paul has to say isn't something that's given directly from God. He makes that clear. But we trust Paul's word because he is sent from God. He says here in verse 25, Brother Arnold, read that for us. Now concerning the betrothed. Now concerning the betrothed. And what that means is this is a person who is not yet married, right? They didn't call them single folks back then, but they referred to them as a a something. So it means without Marriage, right? Agamos, right? And without marriage. Okay, keep reading. I have no command from the Lord. Come on. But I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Now, he says right here so many things in a little bit of words. He says, I have no command, but I give this judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. He says, I have been able to remain this way because of what God has done for me. Paul made a conscious choice that he will remain single and not seek a wife. Okay? Read through verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress... He says, I think that in view of present distress... It is good for a person to remain as he is. Now, Paul says, based on what's happening outside of where of us here as the church I think that you need to take that into consideration he says present distress he's saying things aren't peaches and cream anymore things aren't what they used to be things aren't as good as what they were before Romans came in here and messed things up and he says that if you are unmarried if you are single that you need to consider what's going on around you at the present time Corinth was a fast changing place and they had all of these different cultures bringing in all these different beliefs about things and he says the way of life is changing 
And I have to ask at this time, if you're a person who is single, who is seeking a spouse, who is seeking a boyfriend, a girlfriend, have you considered the current time? You think about that for a moment. Have you considered the current time? Have you considered what the time holds for you right now? Is it a good time for you financially? Is it a good time for you to bring children into the world? Is it a good time for you to be with another person? Where is your head at? What does the present distress look like, the present situation look like for you? Verse 27. Paul had to say this right here because if he would have just spoken on verse 26, I'm going to tell you what would have happened. Keep re- read verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? He says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. All right, keep reading. Are you free from a wife? Uh-huh. Do not seek a wife. Now, I'm going to tell you why Paul said this here. Paul had to say this because guess what? There was that. It's not just today where you have some folks who are not pleased, not happy within their marriage. And if Paul would have said, it's better for you to be single, they would have said, there goes my way out. I'm free. All right? They would have said, see you later, Jojo. All right? Paul here says, if you're already married, don't seek to be free. If you already have a husband, if you already have a wife, do not seek another one. He said, if you're single, don't seek another one. This is him giving his opinion on what's going on in this current status. He says, whatever it is that you're going through, don't change a thing. Notice here that his focus continues to be on the single people. Verse 28 says what? But if you do marry. He says, but if you do marry. You have not sinned. You have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, Uh she has not sinned. All right. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. Those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you. I want you to understand right now. I want to say this and get this off my chest. Marriage is not or was not created by God for trouble. Marriage was not created by God for trouble. Sometimes marriage can be troubling. Okay? It was not created by God for trouble, but sometimes marriage can be troubling. I want you to understand, when he talks about worldly troubles, this word here points to someone being pulled in different directions. When you're single and you want to get up and go, you can get up and go when you want to go. Go when you want to go. Come in when you want to go. Spend money like you want to spend money. But it changes when you get married. Where have you been? Why are you coming in so late? You spend how much on what? Things change when you get married. Priorities change when you get married. And Paul says, if you're single, I want to spare you of being pulled in different directions. Because guess what? When you're in the act of multitasking, something else suffers. If I'm driving my car down the road and I'm also texting, I'm not going to be 100% great in one of those areas. I'm either going to mess up on the text or I'm either going to get in the wreck. Does that make sense? Nobody can do a hundred, put focus of a hundred percent on two things at once. That's impossible unless you have two brains. 
Nobody is able to do that. You can't say, I'm going to put 100% of my efforts into me and into my spouse. You're going to be divided. And God says we're supposed to put the spouse first. And then if you have children, then you got to divide that a little bit more. That pie keep getting, them slices keep getting smaller and smaller. You have children, they get smaller. You had a job in there, the slices get smaller. You got bills, finances, budget, sports, recitals. Slices get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you got to look at the big picture and say, where in the world does God fit into this? And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying if you got all of these things that you're going to have to be, you pull this way, pull that way, pull this way. Where's God going to fit into the picture? So he said, I want to spare you that trouble. Verse 29. Go ahead and read through 31 on this. All right. 29 through 31. This is what I mean. He says, this is what I mean. Brothers. Brothers. The appointed time, the appointed time has grown very short. Uh-huh. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Now, listen. Don't you take this and say, Okay. Paul said, I can live like I don't have a wife. Let's go party. Chris said it. I'm dismissed. I'm gone. That's not what Paul is talking about, okay? Paul here starts off by saying that time has grown very short. Paul had it in his mind at all times. Remember this. As you read Paul's letters to the church, remember how Paul's mind worked. As you look at the pattern of his letters, he always talking about the time being short. Paul believed that Jesus was coming right back in his time. He thought the time was going to end right then and there. He was like, he's coming back. Before I die, I know he's coming back. And that's the, that's the frame of mind that we need to have. Because if we have that frame of mind, then we won't waste our time trying to build up a kingdom for ourselves here on this earth. If we have it on our heart that God's coming back soon. God's coming back soon. I need to be making sure that I'm preparing myself to be with him then we won't be stressing as much because God already has everything else taken care of. So he says, this is what I mean, brothers. The point is time has grown very short. Keep reading. And those who from now on, as from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Verse 30. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Go ahead and read. And those who buy as though they had no goods. Uh-huh. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. We need to understand. Listen to this. We need to understand that we are not living this life to remain here on this earth. We're not living this life to remain here on this earth. Our goal, God has not sent us to this earth to gain Things, no physical objects that we gain in this life can be taken into the next. You can't fit your car into your casket. You can't fit your house into your casket. You can't fit those big old bank accounts into your casket. And guess what? You don't even take your body into the next phase of life. The relationships created. Even marriage, listen to this, even the relationships that we create on this earth aren't carried into eternity. 
Even the relationships we create on this earth aren't carried into eternity. Look at Matthew 22, 28 through 30. Matthew 22, 28 through 30. Someone's coming to Jesus and they're asking him a question about a woman who has all of these husbands. And they're saying, well, which one is she going to be married to in heaven? Because she done got married seven times, Jesus. Who's going to be her husband in the afterlife? Jesus responds what? Verse 28. In the resurrection. In the the resurrection. Come on. Of the seven, Uh whose wives will she be? Come on. For they all had her. He said they all had her as a wife. So who is she going to belong to when heaven comes around? But Verse Jesus 29. answered them. What did he say? You are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the powers of God. Right. For in the resurrection, uh-huh. they neither married nor are given in marriage. Right. But are like angels in heaven. Even our marriages. My wife not going to be my wife in heaven. There'll be no need for it. Those relationships even are going to continue to go on when we go into the afterlife. So when we look at this thing, Paul is saying here, listen, based on the current situation, the current circumstances, it's better for you to remain as you are. It's better for you to remain as you are. You, when you decide to make a family and be a part of a family, you pull in different directions. It's stressful. All of these things come. Better to remain as you are. That's his PSA right there in 25 through 30, or 31. Let's see. As Paul moves on, he continues to speak, and then he says, I want you to understand anxieties. 32. Understanding anxieties. 32 through 35. What does 32 say? I want you to... I want you to be free from anxiety. Paul says, I want you to be free from anxieties. What that word means is, is to be without worry. To be without worry. He says, I want you to be without worry. Brother, brother Roe, did you watch that Lion King yet? I let him borrow Lion King. I'm waiting on him to watch it. He still hasn't seen it, but I'm going to give a spoiler here. Simba, Simba, he's, he's dealing with his uncle who is evil. Like this is the main character in Lion King. And whenever he comes across his uncle, his uncle wants to be king. And so his uncle decides to kill his father, Mufasa. And Simba's messed up because he makes him think that Simba killed his own father. Simba runs away to a distant land and he meets Timon and Pumbaa, a pig and a meat cat. And they say, guess what, man? You're sitting up here stressing about everything. He, they tell him, look, Akuna... Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy, Akuna Matata. And so they, they impose this on Simba, and they say, don't worry about anything, man. Everything's cool. Be free from worries. Be free from stress. But what I want you to understand, single folks, folks that are dating, I want you to understand that when you decide to get married, it's not the Akuna Matata life, Okay? It's not the Akuna Matata life. Because not only do you have your own things to worry about, you're worrying about the things that's going on with your spouse and with your children, your job, and if you're going to be able to take care of all that. Akuna Matata is out the window. And it goes from being a Disney movie to a hard R rating. Okay? But remember, as I stated last week, being married 
It's much like the Christian life. It's a Jolly Rancher life. It's hard, but sweet. Nobody said amen. All righty. Married folks, y'all got to give these single folks something to look forward to. Married folks, is it hard but sweet? All right. Thank you. Some, somebody help. See, ain't nobody going to get married with y'all married folks in here because y'all just, y'all sitting here like, man, I should have heard this sermon some years ago. All right. Verse 32. Go ahead. Read that. The, unmar- the unmarried man. 32. There we go. Is anxious about the things of the Lord. All right. How to please the Lord. What he's saying here is that if you are not married, then you can focus all of your attention, all of your efforts into God and how to please God. And you don't have to worry about anything else. And I want you to understand that if you're a single person and you're in God, you're in the Lord, you're a baptized Christian member of the church of Christ, then we ought to be getting some work out of you. Because us folks that are married are tired. We need you. We need your efforts. We need your energy. We need your attention to detail. We need that mind that isn't stretched from place to place to place to place. And I, want, and I know that. And I know and I understand that life is free from anxieties. But Paul is stating here that you have more or less anxieties when you're single. And you can be concerned with putting God first. And if we do that, single people, while you're single, if you do that, you're preparing yourself to be married. Verse 33, 34. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things. It says the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. How he's going to please his wife. I hope I don't come home and make her mad today. Maybe I need to go ahead and fix dinner before she gets here. Help with the kids. Let me give them a bath. Maybe wipe down the tables. Do the laundry. Verse 34. And his interests are divided. His interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is And the anxious. unmarried or betrothed woman, what? Is anxious about the things of the Lord. She's anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in How body and spirit. How to be holy spirit. in body and spirit. If a woman or a man is not married, they can put all their efforts into being what God has for them to be. And if those two people come together, that's a power couple. And that's the beginning of the first family, the one that presents to the world how God wants people to be. Keep reading all the way through 34. But the married woman is the, anxious about the worldly things. married woman is anxious about what? Worldly things. Worldly things. How to please her husband. Oh, man. Let me, let me not come and say too much about what Sharon said to me at work. I know he's trying to watch the game, but I have some problems. I need to tell him about. I got a honeydew list in my back pocket, but let me not stress him out. Amen. <laughs> the married person must live in submission to each other. It's a it's pleasant when you have both people participating in a thing, but when you take the extra time to be pleasing to your spouse and children then your efforts in your ministry, efforts in serving God is less. That's just part of it. 
It is impossible for two people to live with each other without the burdens of some, some kind of burdens. But thankfully, God commands us to be good, to love our families. Verse 35, what does the Bible say? I say this for your own benefit. Paul says, I'm not saying this to put a bridle on you. This is the idiom that he uses here. Y'all know what the idiom is? When somebody says it's raining cats and dogs, that doesn't mean that it's raining cats and dogs, right? In the original language, he says, I don't say this to put a bridle on you, something that you put like a muzzle, right? I don't say this to put a bridle on you, but what? Not to lay any restraint upon you, but but to promote good order. Paul says, I'm trying to give you good order. I'm trying to give you good order. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Sometimes we as human beings, we create our own order of things. I had a guy, and he must have been God or the adversary that came and moved this man to come talk to me. But he decides, he's like, hey, man, uh, let me tell you about my biker club and how things work in the biker club. And he starts talking about, well, in the biker club, we have what's called POs. And basically, a biker can have multiple women that they own. And that's they can use and, and abuse however they want to use them. Right? And if somebody else wants to borrow their PO, they can borrow their PO. Does that sound like order? It doesn't sound like order, but that's the type of thing that human beings create for themselves. Then you have the TV show Sister Wives. This man, multiple wives, and it just don't make sense. Because that seemed like more of a headache than anything else. That's the type of order we create for ourselves, and we think this is going to work out great. And it doesn't. It doesn't work. And then we go out, and we have one-night stands, and we think this is order because I'm happy for a moment. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it is for us as people. God created us. God lifted up the hood when he created human beings, and he knows exactly what we need to function. And here we are pouring oil into the gas tank. Right? He says, I say this not to put a restraint on you, because people will look at God's will and God's way and say, God doesn't want us to have any fun. God doesn't want us to be able to do as we please. Why can't I have two wives? Why can't I leave my wife when she gets tired? Why can't I leave my husband when his belly hangs over his pants? Why can't I do these things? Because God has set up order that actually works for human beings. He says, but to promote good order. What? And to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. God wants all Christians to be devoted to him. So you got to ask yourself, if you're a single person who is seeking to be married, will marriage help or hinder your service to God? And only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. You have to answer that for yourself. Will marriage help or hinder your service to God? It's not a sin to be single. It's not a sin to be married. You have to answer it for yourself. Have you grown spiritually strong enough to exist in a home with another Christian while remaining devoted to God? To where it won't take you away from God? That's a question that we must answer for ourselves. I skipped down to verse 39 on this last one here to talk about remarriage. A lot of us have questions about remarriage. A lot of us have questions about remarriage. And, and the thing is, is that 
God has given us order in this matters as well. God, or well, Jesus actually states it very clearly to us in Matthew, where he talks about uh, uh, there is a specific way out of marriage. There's, there's two ways, actually, right? Death and adultery, right? But Jesus does not state that if adultery occurs, you, capital H-A-V-E, to have. He doesn't say you have to be divorced if adultery occurs, but he says that's a way out. And some of us have it to where we're spiritually mature enough to where we can forgive that. And we can continue in our marriage. But guess what? That doesn't mean that if that happens and you say you forgive today, that you bring it up when they make you mad tomorrow. Amen? Death or adultery are the ways out of marriage, as Jesus states for us himself. But what happens if someone has went ahead and gone through with their divorce and they've left their spouse according to the will of God? Paul has something to say on that matter as well. Verse 39 reads what? A wife, a wife is bound to her husband. A wife is bound to her husband. As long as he lives. As long as he lives. But if her husband dies. But if her husband dies. She is free to be married to What whom? I want you to understand is, is that there are two things, as I stated early, earlier, that in the covenant of marriage, death and adultery. Okay? Now, what we need to understand is, this is one thing that we need to understand is, is that if somebody is biblically divorced, and they get remarried, they don't have two wives. That covenant ended. God does not say you can be remarried and then make you have two wives and be in sin again. Is that understood? Because some of us have a problem with that. And it's only a problem whenever somebody's seeking to be a leader and we say, well, they got two wives. If they have been biblically separated, that covenant that they began Ended, and they're the innocent party in it. A new marriage begins a new marriage. They don't have a plurality of spouses. It says a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry. Now, it doesn't end there. It doesn't say, well, I got divorced and I'm going to be like Stella and get my groove back and go find anything that's out there. What Paul states here is, is that this person who you marry, husband, wife, new, must be only what? In the Lord. And we very clearly understand that that means that the person that you remarry needs to be a Christian. Needs to be a Christian. Because why would you set yourself up for failure again? That's why I, 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 don't, I don't marry people, one person a Christian, another person not a Christian. Because all that's doing is setting somebody up to have a more stressful life than they have to deal with. They get married and they go on a honeymoon and they're living a happy life and then all of a sudden they got to wake up and argue about whether or not they're going to come to church. They got to argue about whether or not they're going to Sunday school. They got to argue about why are you praying all the time? Get up. I'm ready to eat my food. You praying. You got to argue about some silly things, right? Why start that? I'll marry two Christians. I'll marry two people that are not Christians. 
but I won't. I will not play a part in bringing two people together who are not Christians. Paul sets here very clearly for us what God would have for us. God doesn't want us to live lives that are full of anxieties, stress, worry, woe. And I want you to understand that marriage comes with some woes at times. We need to understand because this is what we this is one of the woes that we create for ourselves. We turn marriage from being a covenant into a contract. And we'll say, I'll be your spouse as long as you do A, B, and C. Where a covenant says, I do my part, you do my you do your part. That's some of the woes that we create for ourselves. We create for ourselves financial woes. But we must realize that we have to consider everybody involved before we make any investment. You mean I can't continue to buy my bundles? I can't continue to buy my Jordans? You can if you talk to your spouse first. We have to think about also how we're going to raise our children before we enter into marriage. These are the conversations that we don't usually have. How are we going to discipline our children? In what way are we going to raise them? Are we going to make sure that they are attending Bible classes and going to worship? And what another mistake that we make is sometimes we believe the lie. And this is what the world will tell us because they'll say it in movies. Y'all remember that scene of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? I think it is. They say, you complete me. Your spouse is not going to complete you. Okay? Your spouse is not going to complete you. God will. And if they have God in them, then you'll have that completion. But your spouse is not going to complete you. There are going to be days where you don't feel in love. Amen, married folks? There's going to be days where you don't feel that feeling that you used to feel when you used to go out on dates of being in love. But true love continues on in spite of those feelings. And it sure is sweet, isn't it, married folks? Isn't it sweet, married folks? thing that we also don't take into consideration is, is that bad credit doesn't go away when you say I do. And just because you have children, if you say I do, it doesn't mean that the children will too. So there are certain things to take into consideration when we think about being married. We have to take things into consideration. We have to consider the time. We have to consider the different directions that we're going to be pulled in. And we have to understand that if we want to be able to handle those worries, those anxieties, and being pulled in different directions, God does give us a way to do that. And if you feel like, and if you know that you're strong enough to handle being pulled in those different directions, be married. It's not a sin to be married. And I want you to also to remember, this is my conclusion here, I want you to remember also, single folks, We need you in the church. I know that you don't hear a lot of sermons about single folks and what they should be doing. Single people, we need you in the church. A lot of times, these married brothers, they can't get up here and unlock the doors and turn on the lights because they they got a honey-do list. They got a honey-do list. A lot of times, these married sisters, they can't turn on the lights because they trying to fix these healthy meals for their husbands. Because they don't eat right. When they try 
trying to prepare these lessons to teach Bible class for these kids, these men and women in here, the ones that are married, sometimes it gets hard because you got other things pulling you in different directions. The AC goes out and you got to take care of it so your family isn't sitting in the heat in Texas, right? So single folks, we need you involved with ministries as well. We need you involved with spreading the gospel because sometimes we just get tired. We just get tired. Amen. If you want to ask for prayer on today, I invite you to do so. All you have to do is come forward. We'll pray for you. We'll pray with you. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to understand that God provides for us everything we need in order to live a happy life. And understand when I say happy, I'm not speaking of the happiness that is created in this world where you have to have something happening. But what I'm saying is God gives you everything to recreate the environment that we had in the Garden of Eden where he provides everything we need. Everything that we need, right? Because there's a lot of things that we want that we don't need. But God will give us everything we need to be happy and to have peace, be without trouble. He'll give us that. But the first thing that you must do to be a child of God is you must hear the word of God. You must hear the word of God. God sent his son down here and he wrote a story that is full of love for us. If you hear that story, you must believe it. You must repent of your sins. You have to say to yourself, I don't want to live like I've been living. I want to live in a different manner. I want to live for God. You must confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. When we do that, we pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Not to the flag. We pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And we say, I'm his and no one else's. We were baptized for the remission of our sins. When we go down into the water, we meet the blood of Jesus, and it does a spiritual surgery on us, taking away all those sins and the accountability for what we did in our past. And we come up as new creatures in Christ, ready to begin our walk towards eternity. If you would like to ask for prayers or to be baptized on the day, I invite you to do so as we sing the song of invitation. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the world with his great might. There is a God, he is alive. In him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man. He is our God, the great I am. There was a long, long time ago a God whose voice the prophets heard. should know who speaks from his inspired word there is a God he is alive in him we live and we survive from dust our God created man 
whose son upon a tree a life was willing there to give that he from sin might set been free and evermore with him could live there is a God he is alive in him we live and we survive from dust our God created Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restore. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. Well, I stand in need of more. Drink from your word, renew my love, rebuild my faith. Oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul, and stir my desire to work in your fall. Well, light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grows cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. And my cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Well, replace all doubts and fear with faith so blow. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. And restore my spirit, Lord, I need restore. And my heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. Well, I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, rebuild, oh, restore my soul. Anyway, you bless me, Lord. Oh, I, I'll be satisfied. Anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord. Oh, I, I'll be satisfied. Anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord. You know that I, I will be satisfied. Anyway, you bless me. You know that I'll be satisfied. Well, I heard the voice of my G, Jesus say, come on, come on to me, there you can rest, oh yeah, he said bow down, bow down, thou weary, we 
everyone go on and bow down and Lord, anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord. You know that I'll be said it. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Oh, I'll be said anyway. You bless me, Lord, Lord, I'll be satisfied anyway. Anyway, you bless me, Lord. You know that I, I will. Anyway, you bless me. You know that I'll be satisfied. Amazing grace. How sweet, sweet the sound that saved. Said it saved a wretch like me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I once, I once was lost. But I'm glad right now, right now I'm found. And anything other than that is one more blessing that he gave me. You know that I'll be, oh, anyway, anyway, bless me. Oh, I'll come on, be satisfied. Anyway, you bless me, Lord, Lord, I'll be satisfied anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord, you know that I, I will satisfy anyway, you bless me, you know that I'll be satisfied anyway, you bless me, Lord, oh, I, I'll be satisfied anyway, anyway, you bless me. Lord, I'll be satisfied anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord, I promise I will be satisfied anyway, you bless me, you know that I'll be satisfied, well, I heard the voice of my Jesus, Jesus said, come on, come on to me, there you can rest, oh yeah, he said, bow down, bow down, thou weary, weary one, go on, bow down, and Lord, anyway, anyway, you bless me, Lord, you know that I'll be satisfied, yeah, yeah, anyway, Lord, I'll be satisfied anyway. Anyway, you bless me. Lord. I will. I'll be satisfied anyway. Anyway, you bless me, Lord. You know that I, I will be satisfied anyway. You bless me. You know that I'll be satisfied.